This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, January 17th, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we are going to gather around the virtual water cooler and talk about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor and chief film critic, Chris Evangelista. Hello. All right, Chris, you and I are going to Park City, Utah for the Sundance Film Festival this week. I'm excited to see you in person. It's been since, what, Sundance 2020, I think, that we saw each other in person. Uh, So I'm excited about that. I'm not sure, because we're going to be at this festival, what our podcasting schedule is going to look like over the next couple weeks. But uh, so if we skip an episode, please forgive us, bear with us. Um, But yeah, I think maybe by the time we're done, maybe next week, we can plan a uh, sort of debrief episode of like talking about the best stuff that we saw, the most interesting stuff, maybe the things that we think are going to break big out of the festival. So um, yeah, look forward to that if you're a a, a regular listener. And in the meantime, let's get into the stuff that we've been watching recently, Chris. Um, Have you seen the movie Senior that came out on Netflix late last year? I have not. I know what it is. I just haven't seen it. Yeah, so for those who don't know, this is a movie that um, was directed by Chris Smith, and it is a documentary that examines the careers and relationship between Robert Downey Jr. and his father, Robert Downey Sr. Um, I am not super familiar with Robert Downey Sr. as a filmmaker, but this movie does a good job of sort of laying out uh, the position that he holds in uh, a certain sort of like, um, almost like underground segment of um, like, in independent filmmaking and the impact that he, that he had in that world. Uh, obviously it's interesting to see Robert Downey Jr. He was like one of the biggest stars in the world currently um, sort of like interacting with his family in a way that seems very 
sort of like behind the scenes, behind the curtain kind of thing. Typically, you obviously see him in interviews where everything is very like um, formal and uh, it feels um, almost orchestrated to a degree. And this is much more free flowing. And um, there's actually a, a scene in this movie that has him like that, that features Robert Downey Jr. in the middle of a, an actual zoom therapy session where like the, he let the cameras in there and they have a conversation about his father who is uh, aging and, and uh, dying at that point and not doing super well. And it's just um, really emotional stuff. But um, do you, are, are you familiar Chris with like Robert Downey Sr.'s body of work? Have you seen any of his movies? I'm embarrassed to say I have not. I, I've heard uh, good things about his work, especially um, Putney or Putney Swope. I, I, I've always heard that's really good, and I've never seen it. And I'm embarrassed to say that one day I I should watch that. Yeah, I, I need to do the same thing. I mean, he appeared as an actor in uh, Boogie Nights. He had a small um, a small role there. I think he was also in Magnolia. So like people may know of him aside from his directing stuff, but really like as a writer and director, that's really like sort of his um, his creative uh, focal point as a as a storyteller. Um, so yeah, the the uh, footage that they showed in this of all of his old movies um, was really really interesting. So Putney Swope is definitely one that's been on my list for a long time and actually uh, an episode of the most recent um, I guess the final season of FX's Atlanta was a sort of a riff on the concept of Putney Swope but it was about uh, a goofy movie instead so really interesting stuff there but um, yeah I would recommend Senior almost as a um, as a companion piece with uh, god what's the name of the documentary about it's not i keep wanting to say the death of dick long which is um i don't know if you ever saw that movie chris did you see, see that one see no I, I no i never saw it it was one of the directors of uh who makes up the daniels um sort of like went off on his own and made this like southern fried uh sort of <laughs> crime movie called the death of dick long um no the the netflix movie about uh the filmmaker making a movie about her dad. Why am I not remembering the name of it? It had, I want to say it had Dick in the title. Um, I, I know exactly what you're talking about and I can't think of it either, which is embarrassing. We should probably just now, look it up. A couple of professionals here. Anyway, uh, that movie I would recommend as a, as a double feature with senior, maybe I'll come, I'll, I'll figure that out by the time uh, this episode ends. So you can save your angry emails, but um Let's just move on to another film that I saw recently, which is Plane. Uh, Chris, did you did you see Plane yet? I haven't. Also, the movie is called Dick Johnson is Dead. There you Thank go. Thank you very much. I, that was going to be bothering me for a long time. Okay, Dick no, Johnson I, is Dead and Senior. Check it out. Double feature. Good stuff there. Um, I sadly have not seen Plane, even though I love me some uh, Gerard Butler B-movies. Yeah, yeah. Man, this one is is pretty good. I, I had a really good time with this. It's, it's, it's like exactly what you think it's going to be, um, which is just really, really satisfying to see sometimes, uh, especially with these Gerard Butler movies. I have not seen all of them. I remember you talking about um, Greenland and saying that that was like actually like surprisingly good and, and maybe like elevated above the sort of uh, kind of trashy stuff that he he tends to do. This one is firmly in the the B movie camp, um, and and it's really enjoyable. Mike Coulter is just like tearing up the screen in, in a supporting role, and uh, there's like some some brutal um, takedowns and you know, goofy action and like terrible dialogue and like people in a, in a room and like a, a crisis suite trying to figure out what's going on. It reminded me a little bit of like air force one in that way. This is like a, like a dumbed down version of air force one. And that's not necessarily a, a diss on this movie. It's, it's actually a compliment for like 
we don't really see these types of movies this well, like executed on this level. So I had a lot of fun with playing and, and I hope that uh, people give it a chance because um, if you're looking for that kind of thing, that's sort of like a muscular action movie that um, doesn't try to um, outreach what it's trying to do. I, I think this one sort of hits, you know, square in the, in the uh, solar plexus or whatever. <laughs> it punches you right where it's supposed to. So uh, that is plain. It is in theaters right now. And then I was hoping, Chris, we could have a conversation about Skinamarink, which uh, you probably know much more about than I do because it's it's like the the horror movie that is like um, taking over the internet and like it seems to be this big viral hit. So like, what, what do you, you, you've seen this movie as well. I, I had a chance to watch it last night. Um, what do you make of Skinamarink and like, maybe can you set up like what it is and, and uh, just for people who are completely unfamiliar? Right. So this is a very uh, experimental movie and um, it's got a lot of hype behind it. And I, I'm part of me worries that the hype is going to hurt it because people are going to go into it expecting, uh, you know, a traditional horror movie. <laughs> and that's not what this is. Um, but, you know, plot wise, there's really not much of a plot, but it's basically set in this house in the 1990s, although the, the year really doesn't matter, but it's set in the 1990s. Uh, it's about two kids. They wake up one night and their, their father is, is gone. And uh, also weird things begin happening. Like their toys move on their own and doors disappear at one point, like the toilet disappears. And uh, it's, it's clear there's something, some sort of presence in the house. And, it's very much a movie about uh, like vibes more than like plot. It's more about like creating this atmosphere of, of dread and sort of like trying to recreate what it's like when you're a kid and you're alone in the house and it's dark and you like every little thing, you know, gives you the creeps. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like going for that sort of uh, vibe. And it's the, it's, it's shot in this really, uh, I want to say like strange way where the camera is almost always like pointed at the ceiling or it's pointed uh, for one thing, the camera is always low because it's supposed to represent like a child's point of view. So it's always low pointing up, but there's almost never anyone like actually in frame. You only see like bits and pieces of them. And so, uh, like I said, it's not a traditional horror movie. So mm -hmm. yeah. If you're going in expecting like, you know, insidious, that's not what you're going to get here. And you're probably going to be like, what the hell am I watching? Yeah. And not even like, um, you know, I think people maybe in, in their days would have said something like Blair Witch Project or even like uh, Paranormal Activity was like not a traditional horror film. This is like far more experimental than those two. Right. Like it, it's it's like almost a different genre entirely. So I was curious what you thought about this, like. At, I guess overall, but then also specifically like as a horror movie, what do you, what do you think about this movie? Yeah. You know, uh, I'm not, uh, people are raving about this. I'm not as high on it as, as a lot of people. I do think it does a really great job uh, of creating that sense of dread. Um, it's, it's genuinely creepy uh, as, it, as it unfolds. And, and uh, I actually thought, especially thought like the, I don't want to, I won't give away spoilers, but the very, 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 final moment of the film really got me, you know, and you know, I, you know, like, Oh, that's creepy. Um, I think it's too long. I feel like this could have been like an hour and it would have been much better. It's like, 
it clocks in an almost, I want to say it's almost a full two hours, which is like ridiculous for this sort of, uh, the way it's filmed. Um, because it's, it, it starts to get repetitive because the fact that they're all, you know, we never really get to see these characters. Uh, it, it keeps us from really engaging with them. Like we just know they're two kids and we hear their voices and that's really the majority of what we get. It becomes hard to sort of go along with them. And the movie starts like repeating itself over and over again. And there's also like a long stretch where they're showing like this classic, like, I don't know who, who the artist is, but it's like this classic, uh, cartoon. It's not Looney Tunes, but it's like cla- it's like Looney Tunes, and it it goes on fucking forever. Mm-hmm. So, so I definitely think it's it's too long for what it wants to be. But I do think, uh, as far as like creating this atmosphere of dread and trying new things, you know, trying to do something that exists uh, in this sort of like you know atmospheric vibe based horror rather than just do the same old, same old. I, I appreciate it on that level. I just think it probably could have been, you know, an hour long or maybe even shorter, like, uh, and been just as good, if not better. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause my wife and I were talking about that after we watched it. And like, uh, we noticed that in the opening credits of this, there's a, I guess like names for, um, crowdfunding. Like this, this whole movie cost. uh, reports say that it costs like $15,000. So just like, you know, for people who, don't know and maybe have heard people refer to this as like the scariest movie of all time or whatever like just know that you're you're going into something that's very very low budget here um but there, there was like a crowdfunding aspect in the the opening credits and afterwards we were talking about the same thing like maybe we thought it might be more effective as a short and i was wondering like oh man i, I bet the the movie that you made for that this filmmaker um what is his name kyle edward ball might have made for uh, like a proof of concept thing for Kickstarter or wherever he raised money, maybe that, which I presume would have been, you know, five minutes long or something would have been the best way for, for him to get these ideas out there because I feel like it could be a lot more effective in a, in a really shorter form there. Um, and, and I'm looking on the Wikipedia page right now and it says uh, his 2020 short film heck was developed as a proof of proof of concept uh, for Skin Marink. So I've not seen Heck, the short film, but um, maybe if you saw Skin Marink and were looking for something more along those lines, maybe check out Heck. I don't, I'm not sure if that's streaming anywhere, but um, yeah, that, that idea of like this being shorter and maybe more effective that way really resonates with me. Um, I, I don't know. There, there was something about that. I just found this movie really hard to connect to. And I think it's because of what you said, where like you never really get to know any of the characters. You don't, you just kind of hear their voices and it sort of seems like because the whole movie is just these two kids in this house, there's like an inherent thing of like kids in peril. And like, of course you want them to be okay, but you never really get a sense of their personalities or, or really anything. It's just, it's so much, it's so vibey. Like you said that, that I kind of had trouble grasping onto it. I guess the point of that would be um, they want it to be so vague that you, the viewer are able to like, put yourself and your own experiences onto these characters and sort of like throw your mind back to when you were a kid and like the scary corners of the house when everything is dark and your parents aren't around and, and all that. And I I do think there is like something to be said for the effect, effectiveness of that, but I found myself not super scared um, by this movie, even though a lot of our colleagues on, on slash film are talking about like how just like, you know, terrified like to the bone this movie made them and I'm, I'm just wondering 
Chris, you watch like, <laughs> yeah, I told my wife, I was like, I wonder if Chris was scared by this because he watches a lot of like depraved shit. Like, you know, he watches crazy horror movies all the time. So were you, were you scared by this? Was this movie like effective um, in, in that way that you mentioned the last shot kind of like got under your skin a little bit, but were there, would you say that this was a, a movie that like got to you? Yeah, I wouldn't say it scared me. And that's not me, me being like, I'm too tough to be scared. It's just, right. it didn't really scare me. Um, it definitely gave me the creeps at times. And uh, it's got that creepy vibe to it. Um, it didn't right away. I, when, as I was watching it, I, I, I admit, like, as it started, I was like, oh, man, is the, like, is the whole movie going to be like this? And the answer is yes. But eventually I got used to it. But it starts off. You know, it, it's not shy at, at dropping you right into its its format, and mm-hmm. and uh, so you're you're sort of like uh, like thrown into the deep end right at the beginning, and you're either going to be on board with it or not. Um, and you know, eventually I got on board with it, and it did start to really creep me out a little bit. But like I said, like the fact that it's it's just a little too long and repetitive, like wears down the creepiness in my mind, because at some point I stopped being creeped out and started being like, man, this is going on a long time. And, uh, you know, I would have, I feel I, you know, I don't, I keep hammering this home, but I definitely feel like if it were shorter, that wouldn't happen. I would just be focused on the creepiness. And instead I'm just like, man, pick up the pace a little bit here. Skin. Mm-hmm. Them yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel that too. I, I, um, when I read the book House of Leaves, uh, I guess that was a year plus ago at this point, I talked about it a little bit on the podcast. And there's a, a I guess, a subplot of that book where uh, basically like a, a sort of dark space opens up in this family's home. And they the characters like go in there and explore it. And it just becomes this massive, um, like all enveloping uh, almost like another world that doesn't really make sense physically for the, it's like bigger than the the room that, that the opening is in. It just sort of like becomes this like place of existential dread and like almost this Lovecraftian, what I imagine a Lovecraftian kind of um, netherworld space would be like. And it's all dark and there's like animal noises and like just crazy stuff happening in there. And you don't really, it, it, there's a, uh, just that idea and that imagery sort of taps into like the pit of your stomach and this, this um, like almost primal fear that we have and as humans of needing to understand boundaries and spaces and all that. And I thought about that book a little bit when I was watching Skin and it was kind of getting there a little, but it just wasn't quite there for me. And, and so, yeah, ultimately I, I didn't find this to be like super effective as a um, you know, as, as a scary movie, but I, I can definitely see how people could be really, really, um, like bothered almost by this movie because uh, again, my wife and I were talking about it and she, she mentioned she read something about it where it was like a, the whole thing could be like read as a, almost like an abuse um, uh, metaphor. And I hadn't thought about that. And the idea of like these kids being trapped in this house and like their parents and not really knowing what's real and what's not. And, and like the doors and windows being gone and there's no way out. And like, you're really young and you don't have, enough wherewithal to, to be able to like fight back or do anything. And, um, that, uh, sort of enriched my reading of the movie a little bit. And I was curious, Chris, if you, if you came away with it with any sort of like metaphorical read at all, do you think this is like a statement about something or do you think it's just almost more of a, a formal, uh, experiment than, um, 
sort of like some sort of sneaky artistic statement about something. You know, I like that. I hadn't even thought of that reading and that that's definitely uh, in, uh, a reading of the film that gives it more weight. I honestly don't think the filmmaker was going for that. I think he literally was just like, how do I make this vibes? How do I, how do I mm-hmm. make the, the vibiest horror movie I can think of? And I was reading up, I didn't do it like extensive research, but not only was this like sort of crowdfunded, it was sort of like, crowd created in that uh, he has a youtube channel and he uploads like creepy stuff like creepy videos like this uh you know on on his youtube channel i think and um so i i I could be getting these details completely wrong but i'm pretty sure i read that like he was like uh, sort of like basing what to put in the film off of other people's like fears like i think he was he asked people you know what what creeps you out? And he took all this stuff and threw it together and tried to create this movie that was basically, you know, on this sort of like base, almost primal level. Yeah, that's, that's a fascinating way to make a movie. I don't know if I've ever heard of a, a sort of like crowdfunded your fears. Let me make something that directly addresses those as a concept. That's interesting. Yeah. So I think that's sort of what he's going for, whether or not, I mean, it seems to be successful based on how people are reacting to this, but Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to shrug off the, like, I don't, I don't need plot. I don't need, you know, uh, I need, I don't need story per se, but I need something to grab hold of. And I found that not really easy to do with this. It's, 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 it was just a little too distant for me to fully commit to it. Um, yeah. I, I think it's an interesting experiment. I definitely think if you're into horror, uh, especially if you're into like creepy pasta stuff, you'll you'll probably find something to enjoy here. I just I wish it were a little better. You know, I wish I wish it lived up to that hype because uh, the, the hype is like off the charts for this. And uh, you know, some things live up to the hype, some things do not. I don't think this does, but I do think it's worth checking out um, uh, if you're if you're curious. Excellent. Okay, yeah, so Skinamarink is playing in theaters right now. Uh, Before we move on, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code staple two zero. All right, so the last thing we wanted to talk about is a movie that uh, you and I both saw, actually, Chris. Uh, Megan, the the movie, I mean, it feels weird to be talking about this movie now because we had uh, our big, like, 50, uh, top 50 movie moments and, and all of that stuff. Uh, those podcasts uh, have come up sort of during, like, the height of Megan fever after the movie performed really well at the box office when everybody was talking about it. It almost feels, like, late that we're talking about it on January 17th. But uh, what did you think about Megan? Uh, I thought it was fun. Um, this is another movie where the hype is like a little, a little too much for me. Um, I really, this movie was written by Akila Cooper and she wrote uh, Malignant, which I absolutely love. And a lot of people, 
I were comparing this to Malignant, and they were like, it's this year's Malignant. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. And it's really not. I, I think it's fun. It's funny. Uh, I like the, the Megan robot character. I think it's, it's a fun, uh, you know, horror movie monster. But, uh, you know, Malignant uh, is so batshit crazy and off the wall. And that's kind of what I was expecting here. And a lot of people were saying like, oh, Megan is so crazy. And it's, I didn't think it was, I, I honestly thought it was just kind of straightforward. It's, it's, it's your traditional, you know, it's like child's play or any other movie where, a doll or a robot or whatever you have want to, you know, have you comes to life and starts killing people. And that's really what this is. And, you know, there's other stuff here about, you know, like uh, the horrors of homeschooling and, and parent, you know, being a parent in the, in this digital age and Mm -hmm. all that stuff is baked into the narrative and that's fine. But uh, I kind of wanted, based on how people were reacting to this, because I didn't see this until after it had been out for a few weeks, based on how people were reacting to it, I was expecting like, again, like malignant, something like crazy and, and over the top and, and, you know, uh, sort of a movie where you're just like, what a crazy movie. And I never once felt like that during this movie. I was just like, this is fine. So <laughs> yeah, that, that's how I felt about Megan. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. Again, I, I feel like this is, uh, like you said, relatively straightforward. It, it does exactly, it reminds me of playing a little bit. It does exactly what it sets out to do. And I think it does it in an entertaining way. It's just like a really solid B movie um, that that kind of has has fun and it knows like where to be ridiculous and and sort of, um, it, yeah, I, I think the I think that's the thing, right? Like the, the uh, this movie's idea of, ridiculous scenes or like sort of tongue-in-cheek scenes or whatever you want to call it just don't really touch the um i don't know the jail riot and malignant for example like you know where it sort of takes it to that next level there's nothing in in megan for me that that really took it to like oh man like that scene was incredible It, it it all feels like um relatively uh even keeled for for like what you would expect from a movie like this which is perfectly entertaining and like totally fine but there just wasn't anything here that like made me um even like the the dance sequence which was in the in the trailer and that just kind of like happens in the movie and there's there's not much more to it than what you see in the trailer honestly um and like some of the kills and stuff i kind of i wish that they were maybe a little bit more <laughs> i wish megan went on more of a bloodthirsty rampage Chris. Yeah. i wanted more um more death in this movie which makes me sound deranged but uh it for the first half of the film like you said it, it deals with these other topics which i think it, it handles fairly well um but megan doesn't really start like you know uh getting people um uh, like going wild really until like the last third of the movie it seems like and then at that point there's not that much time for her to go on like a huge uh killing spree or anything which yeah. in a movie like this like watching a character like that go on a killing spree is fun. That's part of the fun. So um, there were some creative stuff in here, like the uh, one of the things that I think you see in one of the trailers. So hopefully this isn't spoiling it for people who haven't gotten a chance to see it yet, but like she kills like a a neighbor with a, uh, like a pressure washer thing that shoots like um, chemicals out. And like, I thought that was like a nice touch, but uh, I, I wanted more stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and I remember um, we 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 ran a few articles saying that the original script was R-rated and had a lot more kills in it, and they cut them all out. And it's like, can we get that version? Because you know, again, not to sound like a bunch of sickos, but 
that's the sort of thing you want from a movie like this. You want to see the gore. You want to see, again, you want it to be like malignant because malignant is pretty gory, but it, it does it in this really almost silly over the top way. And that, again, that's what I thought I was getting here. And I just wish, you know, apparently they are going to release like an R rated cut, but I'm, I imagine it's going to be like, like not that 10, different. Yeah. It's gonna be like 10 extra seconds of blood or something. Cause it's like, they didn't like, cause I remember reading, they didn't shoot it as, as that R rated. They cut a lot of the stuff before they even started shooting it. And so I don't know. Again, I don't want to give the impression that I think this is a bad movie. I think it's fun. I just am a little surprised at how much hype there is around this thing. And I, you know, I, I sort of get it, you know, cause people like Megan, they, they like that little sassy robot, but mm-hmm. I just, I, I definitely feel like the people being like, this is so fucking crazy are, you know, need to watch more movies maybe. Cause yeah. <laughs> this is, I would say this doesn't even come close. This isn't even in the neighborhood of crazy. It's just a, a straightforward horror comedy and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought uh, Gerard Johnstone, who directed this, uh, did a really good job. Did you see his movie uh, Housebound, Chris? I, I yeah. missed that one. Yeah, I did see it. That's it, it, good. It's 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 a good horror comedy too. Does this feel like a, a natural progression from the the director who made Housebound, or does it feel like uh, a totally different type of thing? It's it's kind of different because Housebound is is a little more I want to say like intimate in a way because it moves like mm-hmm. place in like one space, but. It does feel a little different, but um, yeah, it's interesting. The I you know I, I think it's, this is well made, so I'm, I'm definitely interested in more from that filmmaker. Okay, so now we're going to spoil Megan. So if you haven't seen it, you can go ahead and turn the episode off now. But at the very end of the movie, Chris, it it you know Megan appears to be uh, defeated, and then the um, I forget the name of the the AI that uh, it's sort like, of uh, operates in Gemma's house, um, but. Uh, it, it like comes alive and, and turns to watch them. The camera sort of like turns at, at it's the very last shot of the movie. And it sort of implies that Megan has, uh, I don't know, maybe uploaded her consciousness to this, this other uh, AI thing. Um, what do you think about that ending? And what do you think about like a, the potential of a Megan sequel? Cause that seems to be like all that people are talking about right now. It's like, Oh man, I can't wait until Megan two. And it seems like a sequel is in development and, uh, like what would you want to see in uh, another Megan movie that, that maybe got it to that level that you were hoping for from this one? I mean, give me more violence uh, for one thing, give Megan her body, but I don't want me, I don't want like AI Megan where it's like, you don't see her. Like that's boring. Mm-hmm. You know, she needs a new body. Um, and it just needs to lean more into the, the, the craziness. I, I want more craziness. I want Megan to, to go crazy. Give me more crazy, Megan. Don't, don't, don't hold back. And I think we'll be where we need to be. Would it make sense for there to be a Megan malignant crossover movie? I don't know if it makes sense, but I would watch that. So <laughs> okay. I'm all for it. <laughs> well, yeah, there was only one question that I could end on and it had to be that one. So uh, I think that's going to bring us to the end of the show. Um, I'm not sure. It, it's weird, Chris, because the last of us just came out on HBO this past Sunday, but yesterday was a holiday and maybe yesterday we would have done like a, a big um, sort of recap episode, but then Peter's traveling and I'm not sure. And like Sundance is happening and I don't want to give listeners the impression that we don't care about the last of us because I watched the first four episodes and think the show is really, really good. And I would love to talk about it week to week, but I'm just not sure if it's going to happen because of our schedules. Have you seen any of the last of us yet? No, I haven't. I, I, I never, I'm, 
everything I read is says it's like it's really depressing, and I'm just not <laughs> in the right headspace for that right now. I don't really want to watch something that's like uber fucking depressing. So I'm yeah, I'm holding off on checking it out. Yeah, there's there's some good stuff in there. I think the third episode is in particular is uh is the least depressing of the bunch, but um but yeah, I can <laughs> I can totally understand that headspace. Uh anyway, this is just a long long way of me saying like we really like The Last of Us and and uh, I'm sure people would email and say like, "Hey, why aren't you guys talking about the show?" Um I guess that's the reason. Like I, I don't really know what the scheduling is going to look like. The, there's a chance in the future that we might be able to do like a round up talk about the first four episodes and then catch up or something if, if our schedules align but uh just take this as a, a recommendation to check it out if you're in the right headspace for it um and yeah i think that's going to bring us to the end of today's show so you can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at slashfilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode slashfilm daily is published every weekday bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and tv as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site you can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter. There's a link for that in the show notes. Send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Please leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.